0: I look to a variety of folks, not so much product management people directly, although some of those as well for particular things. But I think I like to think, look more at innovators, sort of thinkers. And actually one big group of people that I follow is copywriters because copywriters and this really ties to go to market. They're really focused on the things that make people respond to marketing messages.
1: You're listening to GTM Disrupted with Mike Smart of Egress Solutions. Learn how product management and product marketing thought leaders are rethinking their business strategies to thrive in a world of radical change.
2: Welcome to Go to Market Disrupted. Today, I'm excited to have Niels Davis, a longtime colleague and friend, in for an early interview in one of our earliest episodes. Niels is a seasoned software product manager and he's an author of a book called The Secrets of Product Management. He also hosts and produces a podcast with the same name. Niels works in the technology space for Trinet, a leading professional employer organization or PEO in Northern California. Niels, please, thank you
0: for showing up and being part of the podcast today. Oh, it's my delight and pleasure, Mike. I'm really happy to be here, and I love the topic that we're going to talk about and the way you cover in this podcast, so I'm excited. And we always have great conversations. So I'm sure this will go well.
2: Yes, we do. This one's time. So we'll have to be a little bit more structured about what we talk about. You mean we can't talk for four hours? No, we probably won't today. At least we won't have anybody listening to us for four hours. Um, At any rate, you know, Niels, I've known you for a long time. We've done a lot of things together. We've worked together. We've But I would really appreciate for the listeners if you would share a little bit about your background more than I did in the intro. And I think really important is kind of your trajectory to get to where you are today. You started out in this business a while ago,
0: and you've done a lot of different things. Could you take a few minutes and just share some of that with us? I would be delighted to do that. And I think it's a somewhat interesting story, so I'll try to give you the high points. I started in product management about it was at least 25 years ago. might've been 35 years ago. I did the the calculation recently. And I was, I had started as a tech writer in, in high tech and the product manager at the company I worked at left. And somebody said, Oh, Nels, you should be the product manager. I had no idea what that was. I had no idea what the role entailed. Nobody really did in those days. There were no books about product management. There were no, podcasts. (laughs) Podcasts didn't exist. And so I started to do it and I was sort of doing it seat of the pants. And I did that for quite a long time. I was somewhat successful in the sense that people liked what I did, but I still didn't really quite know what I was doing. But it was about thinking about the product in maybe a more holistic way than the technology people were, helping sales sell, things like that. So that went on for a while. And I, I did eventually from that company, move to another company. I was hired because of some expertise I had. But it turned out that expertise wasn't actually that valuable to the market, but the, I took over the main product at that company and I had an incredibly good mentor who I learned a lot about product management from. And then from there, I moved to a company that actually made tools for product managers that had always been one of my frustrations, that we had not very good tools that we inherited tools from other folks, you know, Microsoft Word or Excel. And in those days, we, we did have wikis, but they were very early on. And so I worked for a company that did product management tooling. And I knew that was a really important problem as a product manager. And I knew my clients felt it was an important problem. We were not that successful, though. And I mean, eventually, that's about the time that you and I met. I that's when you and I met, Mike. We, it was right around the, the mid-early 2000s, right? Yeah. And we met then. And so that company was not successful. And at that point, I thought to myself, I don't understand why this wasn't successful. There is must there's something about what we did and what product management is that I did not do right to make that company successful. And so I thought, well, I need to understand this. I need to drill down. I need to really understand product management as a discipline and the components of it and what we should have done or could have done to address that and what other companies are doing or not doing to be successful. And it turned out that one of the big things in reflection on that company was that we had really not done go to market very well. We had a product that people liked. We had some successful customers who were getting a lot of value from it. It really was based on a problem that existed in the world. But we did a not very good job of going to market with it. We didn't tell the story very well about the the problem it solved. We didn't get our prospects as excited about it as they should be. We didn't tell the stories of our successes very well. And I think also we didn't charge enough. We didn't price it high enough. So there were a lot of things that went wrong and I I tried to learn all those things. And then since then, it's been an adventure of, I continue to be a product manager on a day-to-day basis, but I also wrote a book about it when, based on the things I learned, The Secret Product Manager Handbook, and I have a podcast about it. And so that's sort of my path. And I've done a lot of focusing on go-to-market in that process.
2: When you When you talk about some of the things and you mentioned the go to market gap for that company. And by the way, that company, we won't name names had good company because there were three companies in the marketplace selling product management tools and Mm -hmm. none of them succeeded. So one of those things could have been just timing. Don't know, but you know, that sometimes that's the case. Um,
0: None of us went went to market. Well, that's for sure.
2: That that is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the things that you brought up was this whole idea of go to market. And I'm curious when you say go to market, this is one of these big, one of these big fish words, right? Sure. They're, 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 it's, it's the elephant word that that's large and it catches a lot of things. What does that mean to you? Talk, talk a little bit about what that entails from your, from your standpoint.
0: A really good question, Mike. And I'm hope I don't mess up the answer, <laughs> even based on my own thinking, because it's kind of a big thing, but it's also small as product managers. I think, of, I think product management, we really have three functions. That's my, that's my basic model of the world. We have, our, our our most important function is finding market problems we're solving, right? Doing market discovery. And if we don't have problems we're solving, doesn't matter what our solution is, nobody will buy it because nobody needs that problem solved. The second most important thing we do is then go to market. We take our solution to market. Meaning that we, now like everything we do in product management, we don't do it ourselves. We do all this through other people, right? So when I say go to market, it means What does marketing need to get good qualified prospects into our funnel? And then what does sales need to move those prospects along the funnel? And so I think of the go-to-market activity that product management does as specific things that help that. But basically, the go-to-market at a high level is just how do you go tell the market that you have the solution and that they should get it? And then how do you make sure that they make that decision in your favor?
2: Okay. Okay. That's fair. You know, in many organizations, this is a sales led motion, right? Yes. A lot of companies will translate go to market into things that are specific and relevant to sales and sales alone. Mm -hmm. Based on maybe your current position at Trinet or even just your broader experience, which is probably even much more encompassing. How do you see that sales Function notion is that is that how it generally how you see it generally working at a place like Trinet or is or, or is it different there?
0: I think that the certainly the foot soldiers of the air, of the effort are sales right they're the people that are mm-hmm. out there talking to customers calling people telling the story. What I don't want, and I think what most salespeople don't want, is to have to make up the story themselves, and that's the really that's the that's sort of where the big breakdown is on a lot of companies. Instead of getting the story from product, which is the people that know the story, they get features and benefits. And that doesn't necessarily turn into a coherent story. They may even just get a description of the category. Like I worked for a company that, was, that made project management tools, right? So we had salespeople that were pitching to people whose other alternative was Microsoft Project. If the prospect's other choice was Microsoft Project, we were probably a bad fit. We shouldn't have been talking to them anyway. And that's what happens if all you do is say to the salespeople, well, go out and sell my project management tool because they're going to say, oh, Microsoft Project, that's a project management tool. That must be our competitor. And so when I think about what product management as an organization knows about the ideal customer profile, the segments that we want to target, the the problem and the symptoms of the problem that our solution really solves, the way that, who the real competitors are that we should be concerned about, how to handle competitive objections and other kinds of objections. Those are all things that we know as the product manager because we we went and tried to solve all those. We we asked those questions ourselves and tried, tried to address them with our product. And so that's what I think of as, I actually have a, a dumb little acronym for it, the MVPK, the Minimum Viable Product Knowledge. And it's exactly that. It's the segment. It's the characteristics of the profile. It's the value proposition and why our product is a better choice for the prospect than the other alternatives that they have, which include our competitors not doing anything, building something themselves, staying in pain, you know, whatever. Competitive objections, customer success stories, really important for moving people along the the Sales funnel. And we tend to have a lot of those, or most of those, as product managers. So, when I think about the notion, that,
2: oh, I've seen people take this concept of go to market and shrink it to a sales motion or some mm-hmm. others, limit it to launching the product. Why don't you share with me your thoughts about what needs to be added to make a functional go to market activity
0: or strategy or effort? Sure. Well, I, would, I think we start with the this, this sort of MVPK that I just mentioned, the minimum viable product knowledge being collated or put together or communicated or collaborated on, whatever you might want to call it, so that marketing knows who should show up in the funnel and sales knows how to qualify people that are in the funnel and how to do discovery. You know, let me tell you about you know, we have a customer that has X problem and they're suffering from symptom Y. Do you have that prospect, Mr. Mister, Miss Prospect? Oh, you do? Let me show you how we solve that problem for that customer, you know, in a demo. I'd love to schedule that for tomorrow. Does that work for you? Whatever. I want to be able to give sales essentially the, that kind of talking point. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to write that stuff. I'm, You know, marketing is better at writing it than I am p- potentially but I want to give them the facts or the stories that are going to go into that thing. Well, that was my
2: next question. You set it up perfectly. How do you get the download then to sales? Because you're not going to write it. Marketing doesn't necessarily always know it or have a depth of understanding of it. (laughs) How does this download get to the hands of the people that actually need it? Quote unquote, the foot. soldier." we're talking about putting bullets in the guns of foot soldiers, bad analogy. It's a war analogy, but I have no better picture that I can paint.
0: Right. Yeah. The metaphor of the foot soldiers I made, I brought that up on the, on the spot. It's really not how we think about salespeople, even though they do get shot down a lot. So maybe they're fighter pilots. Let's just call it that. (laughs) But, (laughs) but uh, the point is that the salespeople that I love to work with are the ones that are coming to me and saying, Nils, I need to know the story behind this. Or who also are coming to me and saying, Hey, I have this great customer who's really successful. Can I hook you up so you can get their story so we can start to build that into the go-to-market? The other side of that is that as product managers, we're in some sense are ultimately responsible for this. So if marketing isn't doing what they need to do, maybe we do have to do that writing or we have to do that sales training. Ideally, everybody's collaborating effectively and saying and sort of understanding their part. You know, the reality is that product marketing typically is the same size organization as product management, which means not that many people. So they've got a lot of stuff going on. They may not be able to do everything that I want them to do, but sales is usually bigger and they usually have administrative capabilities. And so they can do some of the stuff as well. But most important is this collaboration, right? Tell me about, I want sales to come to come and say, tell me about how to talk about this thing or come on this sales call with me, and. Let me know if I could improve the way that I pitched or why don't you pitch it? That's can can be kind of fun, right? For the product manager to actually go out there and get a little bit of experience. Certainly it helps us build empathy for the sales person but it also maybe gives them some ideas about how to go about and pitch it. And it's always good to have people's skills go up as well.
1: egress solutions is a high touch product growth and market success consultancy since 2009 egress solutions has had successful engagements with the top technology organizations delivering insights into buyer preferences product market fit product management and go to market excellence egress solutions accelerates top line growth and market success for our clients go to www.egresssolutions.net to learn more
2: So, Niels, you've described some really great, I'll call them casual or relatively informal practices. Salesperson initiates contact with you, you're responsive. Product marketing is overwhelmed, so you may fill the gap or vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, Marketing may have skills to prepare content and you'll support, or you may have to reverse the role completely. But have you ever been involved in a company where this was much more... Uh, not much more, a little more formalized, so that it it isn't relying on the hit or miss of chemistry between
0: people. Right? Never seen anything like. That. I I believe it could happen. Right? I described it. I described what the interaction should be. Ideally, that means it probably can happen somewhere. I have been in companies where some of it was happening for sure. Okay. Where salespeople were coming to to product and making sure they understood the story. I have seen situations where sales really has a playbook that's associated directly to the actual message that the product managers know about the product. Mm -hmm. There's always an opportunity to be better than that, to improve that, but I certainly have seen it happen. And, And some sales methodologies, I think, are really good for that, where they basically say part of the methodology is actually we actually go back to what is the real value proposition in the sense of what's the segment, what's the comp- what's the differentiators, what are the stories? So it certainly can happen. I'm a little surprised that it's not more common, to be honest, because it's a good way to make a lot more money.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And to, to make a very expensive, potentially expensive set of resources, and that's across the board from product managers are not inexpensive, neither are product marketing people and certainly salespeople are not expensive, to make all of them more productive and I'd even say have a lot more success and fun at the job, right? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So when you, when you sort of look at the, the landscape and, and there's been a lot of I'm kind of shifting gears a little bit, there's been a lot of, I want to say headlining about shifts in buyer engagement. The fact that there's a generational shift happening now, mm-hmm. salespeople are really hitting walls inside B2B buying cycles and buying processes I'd be interested to get your take on, from where you sit and who you work with, either at company or or at or in in the rest of your, your 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 network of professional colleagues. What's your take on what's happening right now? When you think about some of the things you described in terms of collaboration and the benefits of doing this work, what's happening? Something's changing.
0: It's very obvious. Something's changing. The way that I think about it, and I'm an optimist, as you know. I like I see the good side of things what i th- think is happening is that people's criteria are going way up for buying mm-hmm. so you can't just people don't just buy something because the the brand that it has it has to actually do the thing that people say and because of the internet and everything that we have social media people can easily find out if it doesn't work right if it if it doesn't do what it, people say it does they can find out if the salesperson is not telling them the truth for example right so right in you're, the middle
2: of the call <laughs> you, you, well you exactly you if you're a
0: salesperson the the expectations of your veracity have gone way up you know nobody mm-hmm. they people don't just believe you anymore if you're like right. in a suit you have to really be able to show things and if you convince somebody and they find out that it's wrong, they're going to tell everybody. So that's one big piece of it, right? It Just it's raised the bar is the changes. You know, there's another reality though, too, is that a lot of the really big, important, profitable problems have been solved, or at least have been solved to a good enough degree for now. You know, you think about CRM, right? CRM was a big, big business for a long, it's still a big business for Salesforce. But not many others, though. <laughs> not many others, and really, it's a kind of a solved problem at this point. Right. And there, right. you know, there might be something that somebody that can come out with an an incremental thing that makes CRM more powerful. But what's going to happen to that company? They're probably going to get bought by Salesforce. So, right. And that happened before that with MRP, with SAP. It happened with all with all the back office stuff. It's a lot of the engineering side is like that's a solved problem. Some of the areas that are not. Like product management, not really a solved problem from a product standpoint, is much smaller, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think about the sizes of these markets, ERP was fifty percent of a business was the back office, right? Is is the back office? CRM, forty percent of the business was the sales force, right? Developers, ten percent of the business is developers, and one percent is. Software is product management so right. th- that's sort of a transition that's happened in enterprise software. That doesn't mean that innovation doesn't continue to happen, but it also raises the bar on anything that you're going to pitch. It's not you're not competing against spreadsheets anymore. Right. You're competing so, against existing incumbents.
2: If you if you think about this sales led idea of go to market, do you see that that changes? Does sales led Motion need to adjust, or does it stay the same? Or or, so if the bar is higher, Mm -hmm. and clearly expectations of buyers are now such that they can fact check any sales call right in right on the spot. Do do you see that that still has the, I want to say the influence that it had, or
0: does it change in your mind? My feeling is that there was a time when a smart Salesperson could know enough about the product on his or her own to be effective with go to market, and even in a sales organization, mm-hmm. I I don't think that that level is good enough anymore. So I like, think about here's an here's sort of an analogy. Think about a, a V eight from nineteen fifty the nineteen fifties a Ford V eight right mm-hmm. that was a pretty sloppy piece of material right <laughs> the tolerances were not good right it it, you, it went through oil. You know, it was loud. It was weight to power was terrible. Awful Awful engine life. life. Yeah. Yeah. All of those things. Well, a Ford V8 now, that'll probably go a 500,000 miles without an overhaul. It'll be 10 times more efficient and probably three times more powerful. But it was way harder to build in the sense of tolerances, probably a lot cheaper to build. But the point is that the engineering that went into that old Ford V8 it couldn't survive today because that right. old Ford V8 just isn't competitive anymore. And I think the same thing is kind of true about selling enterprise products or whatever whatever kind of products, right? You just have to be way more on your game, which means you can't just ignore stuff. You have to take in all of the different inputs and, and sources of education and information that you can. And so you no longer can do it, on your, do it yourself if you're a sales org. You need to make sure you bring in product and marketing and potentially lots of other folks as well.
2: I want to circle back on something you said a little earlier, which is sort of the big problems have been solved. Does that mean that we're going to, we're going to, in your view, does that mean Mm -hmm. that the dynamic of innovation is
0: changing? Is it evolving? What, what, what do you see there? This this is a question that I think about a lot, actually. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I see billboards on the, um, on the freeway when I drive around and I see them like talking about enterprise spend management. Spend, manage- spend management is a phrase I do not really like, but and it also doesn't mean much to me, but I know it's actually important, but it's a small part of a back office compared mm-hmm. to enterprise general accounting or whatever. And so I think there's a lot of innovation that's happening in niches that are not yet fully automated or where there's an opportunity. And then, then typically those things get then pulled into the big players like Salesforce or something like that. Right, right. So there's so there's that, and then I think there are always and there at least throughout history there's always been new markets that open up. Suddenly somebody realizes, hey, there's this thing that we used to take for granted, but now we see we can do some automation or create an invention that really changes our perspective on that. And so, for example, things like I I'm anticipating things like clean tech are going to be playing some of that role, right? Or also cleaning up tech may as well be playing some of that role, right? So, you know, thinking about all the garbage that's in garbage dumps and the fact that it's full of metal and aluminum and expensive things. Yeah, that's where I I sort of similarly come down
2: on that we have seen trillions of dollars created out of innovation Solving, shall we say, moderate to low paying threshold problems? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the back office for business had a dynamic, automating manufacturing had a dynamic, changing the dynamic and efficiency of sales teams has a dynamic. But then now we're at the point where we're doing smaller incremental variations on those things, or we're innovating things that, and this is an opinion. <laughs> have have absolutely no lifetime value to our survival or thriving on the planet, right? They just just I'm sorry, I'm not going to pick on any one of them, but I could pick any one of things that you know about and and talk about them and say what's what's the what's the viability of that if the power grid shuts down for seventeen days, right? That's right. And so we, my optimism says that we've created all this momentum and energy. And hopefully we can see that turn back into solving some really important big problems like the one that you
0: described. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I, I totally am with you. I'm not the biggest Peter Thiel fan, but he did make that great statement about people, all these really smart people from Harvard and MIT solving the problem of coupons, online right. coupons, right. instead of the next Moonshot are posting you
2: know. live video links for points. <clears throat> I mean, yep. those are the kind of things that we've spent. We spent a lot of energy on. and it's time uh, to me. It's time. It, it, I look forward to a resurgence of some form of innovation that solves things that people really care yeah. about. And that's going on. It's just, yeah. it's harder and, it, and it's going to take longer.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I'd be curious to understand a couple of things. One, when you look for people out in the, in the space and that's a broad space, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm that that represent sort of inspirational ideas, that kind of thing? Who do you look to and tell me why they're important to you?
0: So I look to a variety of folks, not so much product management people directly, although some of those as well for particular things. But I think <laughs> I like to think, look more at innovators, sort of thinkers, and actually one big group of people that I co- follow is copywriters. Because copywriters, and this really ties to go-to-market, they're really focused on the things that make people respond to marketing messages, right? And right. and it's all about what we do as product managers. It's like, make sure you talk, the, that you make sure that people understand the problem you solve. Right. Make sure you irritate their pain a little bit so that they continue reading. It's all these things that I think are really interesting. And I wish I'd learned about copywriting long before because it's a really powerful concept, but also other creative people, sort of what are people creating? I do follow a lot of sort of politics just because I think that sort of related to what I said before about clean tech and clean up mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of interesting innovation is going to come. I hope, you know, I I think we could use some innovation in politics. We, we need it there badly. Right. <laughs> and and then I'm also really interested in, in what's going on with AI and machine learning. Yeah. Yeah. I started playing around with chat GPT a little bit. And I'm following people who are doing interesting things with chat GPT, which is kind of okay. potentially got a lot of things going on. Yeah. So,
2: so as I wrap this up and I, I'm sorry that this does have to come to an end, but, but it's cause it's been a lot of fun as I expected it would be. And hopefully it's interesting and, and valuable to the people that are listening. I have one firm ask for you. I sure. want you to give me a, one prediction, one go to market prediction. What do you think's changing? What do you think is going to happen in the next Three years, five years, and I'm spinning off of just the comments you made about AI because that's one of the sure. one of the baking points or one of the underlying things that people are on now buzzing about
0: that's gonna change everything we do. So I'm not going to necessarily make a prediction, but I have some hopes and expectations for go to market. okay. One of them is definitely related to our role as product managers, which is related also to something I mentioned earlier, which is product management tools. There are a couple of product management tools out there that I like that I think are actually, they know really what we do as product managers. And I think they're doing a good job of, well, not necessarily doing a good job of go to market, to be honest. I think all of them <laughs> have opportunities there. But what I would really like to see is those tools start starting to support go to market more explicitly. Because, you know, a good product management tool, it really helps you gather the information you're, you're, and collate the information you're getting from the market and turn that into intelligence that you can then use to create a solution. But it, they don't necessarily make the next transition, which is how to use it to sell the product or the solution once you get there. So that's one thing. Cool and point. also just in general, I'd love to see less bad go to market. And I think there's still <laughs> plenty of it. And so I really hope, because the thing is it's a big waste to have big to have mm-hmm. bad go to market. If you've created something that's actually valuable and solves a problem and nobody knows about it, or they you don't tell them about it in a way that makes them want to use it, and I have a couple of examples of that actually. Um, like I I always pick on and the reason I do this is because they were such giant failures in the sense of they were very big launch, they were very big launches, but they failed. And that's Google Wave from back in the late 90s, I guess. And who could remember that? Yes. Yeah, and Google Glass, right? So Google yeah. Google Wave, we now have in almost all of our apps. It's like right all of our collaboration apps are essentially components of Google Wave right but they did not know how to go to market with it they didn't even say oh by the way if you have this challenge google wave will solve it in this way right which is a very simple way of improving your go to market google glass same deal they said oh look at this cool technology we have with no here's a problem that it solves here's an example here's a way to think about it you know none of that they just and Google is very good at failing at go-to-market, in my opinion. They, lots of money to burn on innovation.
2: Yeah they, innov- they, yeah,
0: they innovate and they create great things that could be really big game changers. Right. And then they don't go to market with it very well. Yeah. Niels, this has been
2: great. Really appreciate it. If anybody that's listening wanted to get in touch with you or find out more about your podcast or any of the other avenues of information that you have, how would they do
0: that? That is pretty easy. So there's two, I'll give you two ways. One is you can find my podcast called The Secrets of Product Management. You can find it on all the places where podcasts exist. And if you just search for Secrets of Product Management, you'll find me. And you, or you could just go to the website of the podcast, secretsofpm.com, spelled just like it sounds. You can also find me directly on all the socials. Well, LinkedIn and Twitter are my two main ones. I'm Nils Davis everywhere. That's N-I-L-S, D-A-V-I-S. And so, you know, you can connect with me, you can send me a message, whatever you want to do on those platforms, and I'm right there. And and I will be happy to tell you about all the other things that you can learn from me if you go to one of those places.
2: Niels, thank you very much for joining me. Appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Mike. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Egress Solutions, head on over to www.egresssolutions.net. We'll see you next month on GTM Disrupted.